lot of you in the room right now ready to preach, and uh, I, I get the privilege. So, uh, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the New Testament book of Ephesians. And as you're finding your place there, welcome to our guests. Several of you are here for the very first time, and we'd love to meet you before you get away. I'll hang around down here at the front if there's a chance for you to come this way at the close and, and uh, say hello and put a name with your face. Also, especially in the commons area, when you leave, there's a next steps table and love for you to stop by there and let us put a gift in your hand and welcome you to Watkinsville and uh, be uh, something we'd hand to you to let you learn a little more about what goes on here in the life of this church. You've seen it and experienced already today a lot of what goes on here. Seeing the baptisms today of just watching uh, those being baptized, listening to Daniel uh, share their testimony, seeing Brooke and Taylor and Vic. One of the cool things in that picture is that those who are uh, walking in life and ministry with them were baptizing them. And just think of Philip and the Ethiopian when he shared the gospel with them and then he baptized them right there on the spot. And just a beautiful picture to see those relationships there uh, as people celebrate their relationship with the Lord. This is the last uh, Sunday for Daniel to serve with us as youth pastor and if you've got a minute after the service I'd love for you to stop by the student center and have a donut and express your thanks and appreciation to Daniel and Brandy they'll still be here in our church in our community and uh, but this is bringing to a close his service in that role in our church and uh, stop and say hello to him today I want us to pray together, and we're going to look here at Ephesians. Father, we bow before you, um, heart races, thinking about the joy we have of being in this house together. We don't take it for granted. It's a privilege. We thank you for making this possible. Lord, I thank you that circumstances around us don't have to quench our joy and Lord thank you that through Christ eternity is secure we have your promises to live by and you are faithful to keep them Lord we pray for those today that are not able to meet with such freedom Lord we pray for brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan. We pray for, Lord, men and women, boys and girls that you've created there that are um, every step, every step, Lord, could be their last step. We ask you, God, to intervene. You know, Lord, who the enemy of life is. And we ask you, God, to win there in that place today. We pray, Lord, for people that are along the Gulf Coast right now. We ask you, God, to calm the seas in Jesus' name. We ask you, Lord, to give wisdom to leaders. We ask you, Lord, to give strength to our brothers and sisters in Christ that will be trying so hard to help, we ask you for your protection and for your mercy. We pray, Lord, 
for those that are grieving today because of COVID. We pray, Lord, for those that are exhausted because of COVID. We pray, Lord, for those that are sick because of COVID. And we ask you in the name of Jesus that you would heal our land. You are the great physician. You are the good shepherd. And we ask you today to do what only you can do in needs that go way beyond us. We thank you for your word that is living and active. We thank you, Lord, that opening the Bible is different than opening any other thing that is written. We thank you, Lord, that we find life here. And we pray your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, convictor, counselor, encourager as we work through this word. We pray you would save those that are lost in their sin. And give us a new brother in Christ. Give us a new sister in Christ today. We ask you to encourage us in our walk with you. To your glory. For your praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. In 1992, Carl and I had become, uh, we had just moved to Cleveland, Tennessee pastor at Macedonia Baptist Church. I've pastored eight years in Cleveland at Macedonia and then since then here. In 1992, uh, we met a precious lady for the first time, Miss Nina Carden. Miss Nina Carden's on the screen in front of you here. You see her. Uh, that's the way she looked when we met her. And uh, Miss Nina was in her 80s. She was a widow. She was a lady of spunk and life. Um, she was a lady that was quiet. Uh, just even talking about Miss Nina, I have in my mind the image of where she sat at Macedonia, and I have in my mind the image of her yellow house in the curve of the road on Spring Place Drive. Well, in 1992, Miss Nina Carden introduced me and Carla to something that we fell in love with. And it was called, some of you may have heard of it, a Tennessee apple stack cake. Any of you in the room ever heard of a Tennessee apple stack cake? Let me see your hand. We're about to have revival in here this morning. <laughs> apple stack cake is, is, is a cake that has as many as 12 layers. An apple stack cake is something that Miss Nina Carden was known for. And one day she had delivered to our house um, an apple stack cake. And uh, you might want to take that down now. Uh, guys, I can have some attention here. And an apple stack cake is not something that you just are sitting in the chair one day and all of a sudden think, I'm going to whip up an apple stack cake and take it to them. An apple stack cake is not something that you think of when you wake up and today I'm going to make an apple stack cake. An apple stack cake involves something that takes a long, long time. I remember looking at that apple stack cake and, and my body reacts to chocolate. My body reacts to cream cheese icing. My 
body reacts to strawberry icing and 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 I just you know hallelujah praise the Lord you're awesome and I remember seeing that stat cake and just thinking hmm it just didn't have the same look the same appeal but you get to thinking about that apple stat cake and really if you want to be technical about it it's not an hour deal or a day deal it's actually something that takes years Somewhere back there, somebody has to plant an apple tree. That apple tree has to bear fruit. That fruit has to be harvested. And that's where Miss Nina Carden would come in, in that she would get apples from the Apple Valley Orchard in Cleveland, Tennessee, bring those to her house, and she would slice those apples. And on her screened-in porch, she would lay them out for them to dry. And then she would take those dried apples, and she would cook it down for hours and turn it into applesauce not the same to just buy applesauce on the shelf and then she would take that applesauce and she would prepare 12 layers now you think one inch two inch uh, three inch just 12 thin layers and bake that layer and then spread that applesauce and that layer after layer sauce after sauce until it gets that tall and then she'd bring it to you and you set it in front of you and here's what the report would be, don't eat it. What do you mean? Wait a few days. And, and the story was it take that long to make it, but even after you got it made, you needed to just let it sit there for a while and, and watch it and let it kind of do its night. In, in East Tennessee, I, I think they were trying to say you need to let it ferment. But I, I try to get to it one day before fermentation, Okay. And, and after it sat there for a while, and you cut into it, and you taste it, and you put the taste together with how much care and time and thought went into preparing it, friends, oh, taste and see, God is good. <laughs> in 1992, I fell in love with something else. In 1992, I fell in love with the book of Ephesians. And for the very first time, I preached through the book of Ephesians. And when I came to Ephesians chapter 1, I hadn't spent much time other than just reading through it. And I began to just delve into it and look at it and see what was there. What I realized there reading through the book of Ephesians and studying is that layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of God's goodness is demonstrated to us in our personal salvation and it wasn't something that God just thought of all of a sudden I think I'm going to save some people it wasn't like God called an audible because things were going so crazy and decided that he would work salvation it was something that God was involved in from before the foundations of the world and when you come to Ephesians chapter 1 you have uh, the Apostle Paul describing for the believers in Ephesus what God had done in salvation. And my hope today is just to not get in the way. I, I don't want to get in the way of what the Apostle Paul described here as being God's work in salvation. And you will see the spiritual blessings upon spiritual blessings upon spiritual blessings that come in God's work of salvation. And I'm just hoping today that 
that breaking it apart and talking about it won't ruin it. I mean, you can take a kiss, and that's a pretty amazing experience until you start trying to describe all that goes into a kiss. I mean, you think about it. If you just, let's not think about it. Let's just keep rolling and just, just enjoy the kiss of God when it comes to salvation. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Blessed be, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, you just about have to be out of breath when you read those verses. What you have in those verses from the Apostle Paul was an explosion. When you listen to today's message, this is not a how-to sermon. If you brought a pen and a piece of paper and you were looking for four easy steps in order to get your, it's not that kind of sermon. It's really not even a sermon of reproof or rebuke. This is not a how-to sermon. This is a hallelujah sermon. This is not a reproof or rebuke sermon. This is a rejoice sermon. This is the Apostle Paul erupting in praise as he thinks about what God has done. I, I, I can't prove this. My impression is, is that when you read this letter... The Apostle Paul was not working from an outline that he had laid out before he wrote this document. I don't feel like he's just checking the boxes about what he was going to say. I think inspired by the Spirit of God, the Apostle Paul got to thinking about who he was. Like we talked about last week, he got to thinking about who he was, what he was, whose he was, and why he was who he was. And he put that together with those that he he was writing to as the saints thinking about how they had been faithful and extending grace and peace to them. And he just exploded on the page thinking about all that God had done in bringing them together in salvation. And it's this explosion, it's this eruption. It is a, if you will, a hallelujah rant. It is the Apostle Paul, could we say, going off on how excited and how good it is of what God has done in salvation. Today I want to take this passage and 
and I, I want you to see what God has done. And if I had to put a title on this sermon, I'd just use the four-letter word, done. When it comes to salvation, done. When it comes to your eternal security, done. When you believe the good news of Jesus Christ, your salvation is done. God has done the work. And I want you to see the work of the triune God in your salvation. When you hear that phrase, the triune God, what, what does that mean? We're talking about God in three persons. We're talking about the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you may hear conversations about the Trinity sometimes, and somebody quickly say, oh, that word's not even in Scripture, so let me show you where the work is of the triune God. Well, it's all scattered. It's just not in one place. Here it is in one place. Here's the place in God's Word where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is at work in accomplishing salvation. And as it begins here, I want you to see what God the Father has done in salvation. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places those two words heavenly places uh, mark it in your notes mark it in your mind mark it in your bible somewhere that phrase heavenly places is critical for understanding the weight and application of the book of ephesians five times in six chapters the heavenly places are referred to and the apostle paul is talking about salvation and our blessings and how God's working in the heavenly places. And it may bring to your mind Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about that our, our battles, not against flesh and blood, but it's against uh, powers and principalities in the heavenly places. Here salvation is talk, talks about the blessings we have in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in that Statements, the umbrella over all that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit does. So what does the Father do? Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. One statement summarizes what God the Father does in salvation. He has chosen us for adoption. He has chosen you for adoption. What did God the Father do in salvation? Chosen for adoption. Chosen for adoption. You look at it, a clear print on the page. Even as he chose us. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless in love, he predestined us for adoption. Now, one of the schemes of the enemy that's so apparent in this passage. We, we, we know there's an enemy. There's a scheming enemy. There's a spiritual warfare. 
And I believe one of the schemes of the enemy is to take a truth like this from God's word that is meant for our delight and use it among believers as a source of division. And for ages, people who identify as believers and people who are believers can find themselves in a time of division and great debate over all that it means to be chosen and predestined. And my conviction today about that is that when you read it on the page and the Apostle Paul wrote it to the church at Ephesus, he meant it for delight, not debate. He meant for the church to be encouraged by this news. He meant for us to celebrate that God had planned salvation, that he was involved in salvation, that his sovereignty was on display in salvation. And I don't know what camp you might find yourself in today when it comes to predestination, being chosen, or adoption. But for this time and this moment, I want to invite you to the camp of Scripture in Ephesians 1, verse 3 and verse 4, where Paul is exploding to the praise and glory of God in celebration that he has been chosen before the foundation of the world. We have here today a lot of you that would have a testimony, and maybe you would go back and say, I was saved when I was eight years old in Bible school. Tell me about it. And, and, and you talk about one night, somebody had a bracelet on, and they started explaining the letters on that bracelet, and it made sense to me what Jesus had done, and I was a sinner, and I prayed that evening on the grass outside the children's building, and I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I was saved at Bible school. And that person goes home and later baptized, and they're celebrating, and they're talked about, when were you saved? I was saved in Bible school when I was eight years old. How old are you? I'm 16. I'm 24. But I, back there on that grass, and, and it was like, that's when I was saved. You know what? Ephesians 1 verse 4 is telling us, Ephesians 4 verse 1 is telling us that long before that bracelet was made and long before vacation Bible school was scheduled and long before that curriculum was picked and long before the teachers were recruited and long before even this church was established, there was a God who made it all before the foundations of the world that chose that little eight-year-old to be saved before the foundation of the world. We just celebrate that. Do I understand it all? Not absolutely. In fact, I know that I hold a copy of God's word that says in Peter that it is not God's will that any should perish. And I know that I hold a copy of God's word that says in Mark that whosoever will, let him come, take up his cross daily and follow me. And how do you reconcile that? I don't know that that's left up to me. I know that that's what God's word teaches. And the mystery of salvation is that God in his sovereignty and us in our response come together in being saved by the grace of God. 
And I know we can ask a lot of questions that we can't get answers to until we get to heaven. I don't know that he was the first one to say it. Usually there's not a preacher in America that's ever saying the first, it's the first time somebody said something. But I, it was the first time I heard it. When Brother Bob Pittman was preaching one day at Kirby Woods in Memphis, and he was preaching on this passage, and he says, here's how you can process it in your mind. He says, when a person's standing on this side of heaven and they're looking at the gates of heaven, you can view it written over the gates of heaven, whosoever will come. And when that person steps into heaven and they're there in the presence of Jesus and they look back at the entrance gate, written on the back side of that gate is chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And just this beautiful picture of how God in his infinite wisdom is working. We have a father that has chosen us for what? For adoption. Now some of you in this room know all the intricacies of adoption because you've been adopted. Others of you know all that's involved of that because you have adopted. The beautiful thing about adoption is, is that someone, they're, they're, they're like an orphan. And someone comes and they choose them and they take them to be theirs. And there's this legal transaction that takes place. One parent shared with me this morning after the first hour, and he says, when we adopted, the most beautiful thing to us was that here was a child that did not have anything. And at the moment that he became ours, everything we own, everything we have, everything that we are in that moment became his. Friends, here they, he is writing to the church at Ephesus. They were Gentiles. You have the Old Testament telling the story, the chosen people of God, the Jewish people. And Paul is saying the great mystery is, is that the gospel has gone beyond the Jewish people. It has gone to the Gentiles. Some places in Scripture it's described as being grafted in. In this passage, it's described as being adopted. In Romans 8, it's described as being adopted. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying to the Gentiles, all of that that's laid out in who God is in the Old Testament, all that God's doing in salvation has been extended to you. And by God's work choosing you, you have been adopted. You have been brought into the family. J.I. Packer says, you will know one's view of being Christian by how much they make of God being father. And how much they make of being God's child. The celebration here today is that God the Father has chosen you for adoption. Number two, what has God the Son done? God the Father has chosen us for adoption. God the Son has redeemed us by his blood. Look at it. He says... Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Eleven times, verses 3 through 14, some kind of reference to Christ is made in his work of salvation. Eleven times. It's in Christ, through Christ, under Christ, in him, through him. Identification of him as the beloved 
It's a reference of what God the Son is doing in salvation. God chooses for adoption. God the Son redeems by his blood. Look at it. In him we have redemption. This word redemption, I I, I don't think I have a more favorite word in all the New Testament. Redeemed. The hymns that I love have the word redeemed in it. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Blessed Redeemer. Jesus is mine. I love the newer song today that you hear from time to time. I am redeemed. 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 Redeemed goes back to something being purchased and set free. It ties back into the Old Testament where the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were in slavery and in bondage. And there came a day where God was going to deliver them and give them freedom out of slavery from Egypt. And there came a day where death was going to come to every house. And when death was coming, it says, here's the way that your house can be passed over. You sacrifice a lamb. You take the blood of that lamb and you spread it, apply it on the door frame and door heading of the door of your home and when death comes in the night if the blood has been applied there to your home then death will pass over your home and you will live in the new testament jesus hours before he went to the cross took the passover supper that had been given to commemorate and remember all that god had done in setting the israelites free from egypt and he said this cup is the blood of the new covenant and it was Jesus identifying as the Lamb of God. And Hebrews tells us that he would be the once and for all sacrifice for our sin. Stay with me. He would be the once and for all sacrifice. The spotless Lamb of God would go to the cross and shed his blood. And when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when you receive him, when you believe him, that is in essence the blood of the Lamb of God, the blood of the Son The blood of Jesus Christ being applied to your heart, being applied to the door of your life so that when death comes, death does not win. When death comes, death does not have victory. To take your last breath here is to take your first breath in heaven with Jesus Christ because the Passover lamb has once and for all redeemed you. Listen. You've been redeemed by his blood. The penalty of sin, the payment of sin, the punishment of sin. Jesus took that for you and to set you free. Redeemed. By his blood, what's the fruit of that? Forgiveness. This is the forgiveness of our trespasses. God's word tells us that he bore the iniquity of us all. Forgiveness. Have you been hurt before? Somebody done you wrong? said something, stole something, lied to you, been hurt, offended. It brings some kind of separation. When you forgive someone, you're not saying to them, 
you hurt me, but it really doesn't matter. When you forgive someone, you're not saying to someone, well, you know what, you've been good for seven days. I just, I'm just going to let it go. When you forgive someone, it's not enough time passed that you forgot about it. When we're hurt or we're offended, what's inside of us is, you owe me. That hurt me. That offended me. We're not right. When you do something wrong before God, sin is an offense to God. He has the right to judge you. But forgiveness of God is not God saying to you, it really wasn't that big a deal. It's not God saying, you've been good for three years. We'll let it go. It's not God saying, wow, I forgot about that. Forgiveness by God came at a price. And it was the blood of his son. Sin is a big deal to God. God's word says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. What is the Son's work in salvation? God the Son. God the Son redeemed you by His blood. And the fruit of that is something that you could not do for yourself. Forgiveness. The penalty of sin, the payment of sin, the punishment of sin, you have been set free. You shall know the truth. Jesus Christ bore the iniquity of your sin. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Free. And the enemy's scheme is to come again and again trying to make you think it's not that big a deal or you still owe something or you're not good enough. But when you receive the work of the Son on your behalf, you're free. And the glorious praise to God, that God the Father chose you for adoption and God the Son redeemed you by His blood. And then finally, God the Holy Spirit did what? sealed you as a guarantee. He sealed you as a guarantee. In him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Paul's talking about a moment in time. He says, we were first. That's what the word says. It's like, let's go back to Jerusalem where Jesus died and the Jewish people were living. We were first. We, he, he says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then verse 13, he moves forward a, a few years and he's talking to the church at Ephesus, the Gentiles. He says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The, God chooses us before the foundation of time. Jesus redeems us by his blood. We, we've heard the truth and we've believed what happens, what guarantees our salvation, the work of the Spirit. This is security. This is assurance. We're God's and he's ours. This word sealed carries two meanings that are picturesque for this text. One is the bringing together of two things. Like an envelope where you'd bring the top piece of the envelope together with the body of the envelope and it's sealed. It's the bringing together of two things and sealing them together. When you and I are sealed in Christ Jesus, it's us being brought together with the Father and sealed in him. The other uh, picture is of a, uh, of a stamp that was oftentimes waxed that when it was pressed into something, it marked authority, it marked ownership, it marked a guarantee, it marked certainty of something being true and verified and certain. And he's saying that's the work of the Spirit. When you believed, you were brought together with God. When you believed, it was... It was it was verified, settled, done as a deposit that your salvation is true. Imagine the Gentile people, the Jewish people. They believe this word comes to them. They're like, we've heard of the Old Testament. That's not, where we, that's not who we are. How do we know this salvation is good for us? How do we know that when we die that we'll go to heaven and we'll be right with God? That's what Paul is saying. You have been sealed. There's a deposit that guarantees you're in the Father's will. Our, our daughter gets married at the end of September. I got deposits all over town. <laughs> I got a deposit at the Classic Center. I got a deposit with a photographer. I got a deposit with a flower person. We, we got... We got deposits all over town. You know what I do at night? I sleep. I don't know about my wife. I don't know if she's sleeping, but I sleep. And why do I sleep? Because I'm like, honey, it's, it's booked. It's done. There's a deposit. They're holding it. It's going to be okay. Now, I know they're, we're working with humans, and a lot can happen, and we all got stories. But friends, let me tell you, we got a deposit, and we're working with God. God is faithful, and he keeps his word. And you can sleep at night, and you can walk in freedom in the day, knowing that when you've received Jesus Christ, God has chosen you, the Son has redeemed you, and the Spirit of God has sealed you. Amen? That's a good word. Listen, today, when you think about, just for a moment, the schemes of the enemy... And the, the work of Satan in your life. Some of you really battle. Satan's eating your lunch when it comes to worth. And you, you live with this self-loathing, thinking you're not worth anything. And, and then some of you battle with pride. You think you're all it. 
And then some would battle today with self-esteem and you walking into this building today was so hard for you because you feel so less than, you feel so nothing. There's such a battle with self-esteem. Some of you wrestle with doubt. And over and over again, you just don't know if you're saved, if you've done enough or if God's done enough. And many of you are paralyzed by anxiety. You are limited by self-reliance. You are hurt by codependency. You battle with greed and you covet what others have and you lust after things that don't belong to you and there's prejudice in your heart or partiality in your life. You have a sense of inadequacy. You fear death every night when you lay down. Some fear the unknown and you struggle with the limits of your life. Some of you are given in to the schemes of enemy that would create disappointments for you in life, leading to great depression. And hear the word of God today, to the praise of his glory. God has chosen you and adopted you as a son and daughter. Hear the word of God today. Jesus Christ has redeemed you, and you've received forgiveness of your sin And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God has sealed you until the day that Jesus calls you home. Rest in him. Be free in him. Speak to the enemy. Satan, I am chosen. Satan, I am redeemed. Satan, I am sealed. Get thee behind me hallelujah praise the lord listen today i want you to taste and see that the lord is good taste and see that the lord is good maybe for the first time you would call out to jesus and say i don't know what all you did back there in the past but today i need your forgiveness we're all still learning Trust him today and be free for the first time, maybe for the second time. You know, you just haven't thought about it in a while. And just to revisit all that God has done in his, his Father and Son and Holy Spirit and give him praise. Maybe today, maybe for the umpteenth time, just over and over again, you just come back again and say, Hallelujah. Look what God has done for all time to the praise of his glory. Could we leave this room today realizing that salvation is not about how much you've given up. Salvation is a celebration of how much you've been given. Father in heaven, Grip our hearts. Don't let the enemy steal the joy of our salvation. I pray somebody in this room today would find that joy. I pray that somebody today would be revived in that joy. Oh, Lord, to your praise, to your glory, hallelujah.